I don't know if Danny's going to be able to speak. He's, he's a blubbering mess. But I've had the honour of um, knowing Danny for some time. Oh, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> he's not the smoothest of operators. <laughs> but we've been walking together for ages, and Danny's actually been part of the rock longer than I've been part of the rock. And... Um, you know, through our walking together, it's been awesome. And God just spoke to me some time ago about getting Danny up to speak. And just to fulfill what's upon him already. You know, it's just to, to, to walk out um, and fill the shoes that God has him to fill. So we receive from you today, brother. And thanks for saying yes uh, to the invitation. A little bit like my beautiful sister Mel here. I'm a bit of a crier. <laughs> now we're on a journey. We're on a process. And, um, and we've heard Mel speak about that. We've heard Greg and Joe over the last little while. And, um, and today I hope you come with me on a little journey. And uh, it might take a little while. And even with, with what we prayed for for James, our journey is from a shore to a shore, from everlasting to everlasting. And there are times where God asks us to step out of the boat in that journey. And so when Greg asked, that is me stepping out of the boat. The reason I'm not wearing shoes is because I didn't want them to get wet. <laughs> I couldn't follow in the uh, Simnor's uh, lane. So, indeed, indeed. I am overwhelmed by his love today. I'm overwhelmed by the support of my family, the amount of people that have supported me for today. Because there's a real weight in being here. There's a real weight. And I think, I don't think I know that Father is speaking to me about identity and about sight and decision. And even in the songs today, that has come through again. The title for the message is, Who Am I? I Believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. Paul also said, um, you know, put up with me with a little foolishness. There might be a little bit of foolishness today, so put up with me. I have been here quite a while, and so the weight is partly because men and God, brothers and sisters, have spoken the word of God, and I've seen it as the word of God, and people's lives have been changed in this place. So to, to step in the same place is quite daunting. At the same time, I kind of felt like a donkey, and then I felt the Spirit say, the word of the Lord was declared through a donkey to Balaam. How did the word enter Jerusalem? On a donkey. Little foolishness. We've been speaking to faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Why? Because the Bible tells us God is love. The 1 Corinthians 13 has been said millions of times, 
And it wasn't until very recently that actually my eyes were open to the fact that when they're talking about love, it's talking about God. And without God, I am nothing. And my journey is a little bit different. And, and the declaration and proclamation that Greg has had and others about receiving the love um, is different for me. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit further. But I have been here longer than Greg. In fact, I've probably been here what of the longest. In fact, it wasn't even the rock. We had a word spoken to us. Those, the people who you were is not the people who you are and not the people you will become. And when I came, it was Christian City Church and it was up in the building there. That's nearly 25 years ago. I've done everything. <laughs> Paul said, didn't he? Hey, if anybody's the man, I'm the man. You know, from this tribe, from that tribe, learned from this person, da-da-da-da, but considered it garbage compared to knowing Christ. And in the last nine years, you'll like this, Greg. Lord, if it is possible to get this far and just only now understand who you are. Feeling foolish yet relieved as well because what I bought just before, I just can't sell. Joe spoke a little while ago about her running journey, and it was, she said it was so humbling to, to admit you had to be back at the very beginning because we consider ourselves better than we are. <laughs> and I felt like that. I literally have felt like I'm 25 years ago and saying yes again to the Lord, but in a very different way. <clears throat> so who am I? If you could put up the photo, Terry. So, this is my family, my beautiful wife Janelle, oldest Petra, 12, Skylar, 10, April, 8, and Melody, 5. And uh, Greg Scully gave me a bit of grief about the shirt, uh, trying to follow Greg's footsteps. He said, no, 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 this is the reason why I'm pink. <laughs> it's all the reason why I've got grey hair <laughs> and no money. So I guess I'll take you back a little bit. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my journey. So today we're going to learn a little bit about me, not because it's about me, but it's about him and me. And I hope you hear the journey that, that, that I've taken. Hopefully I can articulate it. Alongside that, we're going to hear from uh, Moses' journey or the beginning of his journey. And alongside that, we're going to hear from a good friend of mine, Neo. Do we know who Neo is? All right. Remember the movie The Matrix? Who here knows the movie The Matrix? Yeah? How many of you have seen the movie The Matrix? Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to do some explaining. All right, so, like I said, a little bit of foolishness. So, briefly, I'm born in Holland in 1974, came here when I was nine, um, went to school, and, uh, of course... Loved the beautiful game. The Dutch are better than the English. <laughs> Although I think you've got a World Cup and we don't, do we? Yeah, anyway. Um, family split after a little while. Um, and then I met uh, Janelle at school. And so we're high school sweethearts. I was a good heathen bogan boy, a try-hard bogan boy. <laughs> and uh, she was a good Christian girl. 
and, and there's a steeliness in her spirit and there is a, uh, a light in her uh, that was attractive to me at the time besides the physicalness. And um, I knew that if I go out with this girl, it's going to be for a long time, not realising that it would be marriage. And <laughs> so, um, you know, there was, there was, the seed was being sown then. I've had different experiences through my life where God showed up, and as we know, he orchestrates all these kind of things. Um, and during school, I guess, um, I was one of the more popular kids, um, ended up being sports captain of high school, um, and kind of went with the flow, didn't really have to stand up for anything, you know, I could move in all circles, I could move with the in crowd, I could move with the academics, I could hang out with the bogans, um, you know, I, I, I just went with the flow, and uh, I didn't have to really stand up for everything. And one of the one of the things that um, I felt about myself is is a little bit of a chameleon um, in that way, and I'll expand on that a little bit further. And then, so my story about coming to the Lord um, is that a little bit like C.S. Lewis was the fact that I was um, a, a reluctant convert. I think he uses the words. So on the Monday of the uh, week, which was probably the 5th of July. I knew that on the Wednesday I had to make a decision. Uh, and on that Wednesday it was choose life or death. I put it before you, choose me or choose your life. And so I reluctantly said yes to the kingdom. But did I receive the kingdom fully? That was the question. Uh, there was certainly a seed of faith, hope and love I don't doubt that for a second, um, but certainly if you asked me afterwards about the good news, I'd say, oh, that, really? You know, there was a fear of man. I was more concerned about what my friends might think and my family might think, and, um, you know, that was, that was very real. So silence was the best thing. You know, at school, often my reports would lift some achievements and there was always a but. And that but was, he talks too much. <laughs> and now I have a mic. <laughs> but God redefines. God redefines. God defines. Scripture tells us that in the last days as people have visions, dream dreams. And I've come to recognize that Father speaks to me in the everyday instances in my mind, and as I meditate on them, God causes the growth and the meaning of a revelation, and they expand in my understanding. And as I've committed to speaking those things out, it is amazing what the Spirit does in all of us, because it just gets added and added and added, and you get greater sight. Even in the prayer this morning, God is so good. Last week I felt to download the song, In Your Freedom. And I knew in the middle of the week, and I, could, I knew in the middle of the week when God was going to show his kindness and play it this morning. And he did in prayer. And that's recognizing that spirit. And I couldn't have said that eight, nine years ago. So, I will give a bit of a disclaimer so, um, <clears throat> Matrix movie, hmm, okay, 
quick synopsis is um, there's always the good guy, and he always wins through process and journeying, coming into oneself, overcoming the obstacles, galvanizing the people through leadership and sacrifice. That's any good movie synopsis. <laughs> um, so I don't know if there's still young children in here. I, I need to say that some of the clips that I'm going to be showing, um, you know, are Hollywood kind of action scenes and a bit of fighting. And they use words like we use in church, but maybe not in the right heart position. So just give them grace and give me grace for sharing with them. Um, but I wanted to show the clips, and I wanted to show more, but of course this is the church about Jesus, and it's not about sci-fi or Scientology. So I will change the question to not what is the matrix, but who am I? It's the power of the ask. Now, he was moved to seek because they were seeking after him. You know, draw near and he will draw near to you if you want him to. There's a heart posture in there that will find you if you want him to. He's put the eternity in the hearts of men, so that is the seeking that is within us. So in terms of the matrix, basically short synopsis is that uh, there is a real world and there is a dream world, and it's flipped on its head that they are actually in, they think they're living in the real world, but actually they're plugged into a computer system and they're all dreaming, and that's their life. And they're waking up as the extraction out of that system. And it's not a Christian movie, but I do encourage you to watch it because the parallels and how it speaks to us certainly in the last few years is phenomenal. So who am I? Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And we've heard Greg talk about this recently. And you can only receive from Christ if you see him as Christ. If he is a prophet or Elijah, then you're going to receive like that. I'll turn that question on the head and say, who do you say you are? Who do you say you are? Because you can't receive if you don't consider yourself a son or a child. Who do you say you are? Have you received what God says about you in His Word? Because He's not going to force us. He is a gentleman. Have you received, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. He chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. You've been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy and blameless and without blemish in his sight, free from accusation. There is no condemnation for you who are in Christ. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgressions from us. I, even I, who am the Lord, blots out your transgressions for my own name's sake and remembers your sin no more. Are we living like that? Not there, but here. Are we in freedom? While I may not have received the love like Greg received love, at the time... There's a seed. And just like in human conception, there's a seed. All the DNA information is there. 
Everything we need for life is there, but it matures, and so does the function as the role changes. Physical growth from the fetus to the baby to the infant to the child to the adolescent occurs, but we're human the whole way. We are a son. We are a daughter the whole way. We are a son. We are becoming a son. But we're loved by God the whole way. We're unable to do certain things at different stages. Pretty hard for a baby to run a marathon. Yet the potential and the capabilities are in us. The seed, the information is there. Now to the one who has fashioned us for this purpose, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now God, who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ, has anointed us, set a seal of ownership upon us, put a Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God for it was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you are in the journey, the seed is there. Don't look at the other plants and be concerned, for it will come to pass. Dichotomy. Somebody know what dichotomy means? So there's two explanations. A divisional contrast between two things that are or are represented or being opposed or entirely different. Or a division in two parts, two kinds, subdivision into halves. And that's our life. That's the son becoming a son. The two-sided coin, Greg shared this, and I love it. It's ultimately one position. The picture is of two coins, two sides. Try and move the coin forward, but only using one of the sides, and there's friction and enormous amount of energy required to push it along. But live in the tension of the edge, and it rolls. The dichotomy of our walk. Every inclination of our heart is evil from the day of our birth. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. A heart is calloused. A heart is a stone. Yet we are made in his image. He put eternity in our hearts. He's removed our heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. He's put a spirit in us. We're being conformed to the Son's image. We are blameless, righteous, without blemish, mind of Christ. He is in us to act into will according to his good purpose. We are becoming servant, friend, son, bride. Too much to comprehend in the mind. Way too much. Hence, keep in step with the Spirit. We need a revelation of the above and sight to see these things. Terry, can I have the next scene, please? Bummer. <laughs> well, the next thing the Morpheus says, that's the uh, gentleman speaking, he says... Uh, there's the red pill and there's the blue pill. And he says, choose the blue pill. Wake up in the morning, believe what you want to believe and get on with your life. Choose the red pill and I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And then you get some good music and you see Neo wondering. <laughs> and then Neo chooses the red pill 
music builds and he says, remember, I'm only offering you the truth. He takes the pill and then Morpheus turns and says, follow me. I hope you're hearing in the spirit what that clip is saying. So it's about sight. One of the things there is Morpheus had more sight than Neo at that time. And now there's a discipleship relationship as well, isn't there? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So speaking about sight, on my 20th wedding anniversary, back in January, I was ironing. (laughs) And... Uh, Janelle says they're your shirts iron them so and then she goes oh would you mind ironing this and would you mind ironing this um, has somebody seen um, the program Clark's or sorry George Clark's Amazing Spaces yeah. yep okay so at the time he was converting a 70s big caravan for himself one of the new design features was going to be that the whole side would come down on a car winch and that would double the usable floor space. They had to prop up this whole side and splint it because it's paper-thin aluminium, and they didn't want it to buckle when they took the side off, and they'd already reinforced the caravan to allow for the side to be taken away. But this is what he said when they began that portion, as he was then standing in this chasm, or about to have the chasm, and he said this, to think of that being completely open Stepping out and seeing a view. For some bizarre, surreal reason, even standing in Will's workshop, I can see it. That's bonkers, he says. The space is mind-boggling. He had sight of something, and it, and it gave him the wellspring to do what he was doing. But the starting block to sight is humility and surrender, isn't it? Isn't it? Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One Pharisee and a tax collector. Pharisee said and prayed, God, I thank you, I'm not like to other people. Those robbers, evil, doers, adulterers, tax collector, I fast twice a week and a tenth of all I get. I've been at the rock for 25 years. I've done hospo, I've done cheers, I've done connect. I've given thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars over 25 years. Look at me. But the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even not look up to heaven and beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Why? He had sight. There's a song from, um, it's called Simple Gospel, played it at a life group or discipleship group some years ago and he says the word is I'm giving up all my religion I want to know you Lord another little picture so my gym journey I've been reasonably active in gym for several months half a year bettering my diet lost a few kilos but I still had the very dad bod. <laughs> At 43, you've got to give me a little bit of uh, grace. 
So most things were a little bit squishy, a bit blubbery, <laughs> heading south. But I have a picture in my mind. of what I used to look like, what I hope to look like. But today, my efforts weren't enough. My own efforts weren't enough. So what do we do? We go to an expert, don't we? We go to the personal trainer, don't we? What does the personal trainer do? Kill you, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. takes a picture, doesn't he? He tells you where you're really at. And then what does he do? He gives you a focused, sorry, he, because he's for me, but it could be a she for you, a focused and intentional template to achieve the transformation that you want. He's given you sight. He's got sight that I don't have. And the interesting thing was, is in the workout that he gave, there was also an eating plan. So isn't that interesting? (laughs) What goes in determines what comes out. Another difference. He said to me, he says, so when you're working out, when you're doing stuff, you know, where are you at? You know, what kind of effort are you putting in? Well, you know, six, seven, eight. So his program for me is all in, full out, interval training. You go until you, (laughs) and then you rest, and then you go again. You go full out. Is that not a parallel? God shows us a true picture of who we are. Our efforts don't measure up. We need the expert, the Holy Spirit, to plan and guide for the transformation of the picture. He has the plans and strategies He walks beside us and he rejoices with any gains we make. But you have to go all out to take back what we've let slip because half-heartedness, lukewarmness will not see you receive the full reward of the result. So by submitting surrender to the process, I've now lost four and a half kilos in four and a half weeks. The most in four and a half years. (laughs) And the reason I'm wearing the shirt is because this is my test shirt. (laughs) It's the slimming version. And it's not bulging. And it's not popping out. (laughs) Wait till my pads fall down. That's why we need the brethren to have accurate sight in order to realise our identity. We've got discipleship groups. We've gone through the fivefold. Who do you allow to speak into your life? Who do you submit to? Really, who do you submit to? Play scene three. Hopefully it works. Am I on? Am I on? Cool. Obviously, training scene. 
submitting to one with greater sight, knowing who you are, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get sight. But what did he try and do? Do it in his own strength. Again, another little interlude with the Lord at the gym. And um, I'll just read you, I'll I'll read you a a text email that I sent to the discipleship group. Remember, we need the brethren to have accurate sight in order to realise our identity. Hi, mighty men of God. As I'm at the gym trying to finish the year well and burning off those indulgences of the last few days, I felt the Lord speak as I was watching the TV. There's a pack of lions attacking wildebeest, trying to pick off the less mature. 1 Peter 5. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, roaring like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. It was interesting that when the wildebeest ran away, the lions would give chase and jump on it. However, the attack was nullified when his mates then turned around and charged the lions. In fact, the one being attacked and chased also then had courage, turned and charged. And we're talking about the little one here. We're not talking about the big mammoth ones. We're talking about the little ones. Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I've been reading Colossians, and yes, this is still a text, which is in part describing Paul's commission. I'm learning from him. I've been reading Colossians, and in part describing Paul's commission and apostleship, and drew a strong parallel for the heart for this church to see us all reach maturity in him, so we won't be like the young and immature wildebeest who ends up being isolated from the pack and hiding in the bushes and ultimately dinner. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. We need brethren to help. Give us sight, stand our ground, and recognize our identity. Because the wildebeest is pretty strong, could take a line on pretty hands down, but when you're running scared, no chance. How about scene four, Terry? We talked about surviving, that means not in life, because being in life takes a stand. And the battle is the Lord's. He's making a prophetic call to supernatural living there, isn't he? Sight and identity. When you come into your identity, if you put in, put up the scripture, Mark 9, let's just read that.
When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Interesting. The disciples and the religious were arguing and the people ran to Jesus. Aren't the disciples and the religious supposed to be representative of Jesus? What are you arguing with them about, he asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I bought you my son who is possessed with it by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Interesting. Jesus had actually just come down from the mount. We just had the transfiguration. But he considered taking his boy to the disciples the same as taking it to Jesus because they're supposed to be representative of the rabbi and carry his mantle. What else was interesting is that Jesus says, what are you arguing about with them? But a man in the crowd answered. So he was in the crowd. There was a heart position there. He saw an opportunity. He said, oh, I'm going to get in there. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Again, when Christ is there, something happens. The people ran to him and the spirits know to bow down to him. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I'm imagining that the child must be somewhere between 10 and 13 because he's still a boy. At 13, you're called a man in the tradition. From childhood, I can only imagine that's infant. So this father, family, have dealt with a demon-possessed child for five to ten years. Who knows it's hard enough just parenting a child that's not (laughs) demon-possessed? Do you think that this man's heart was ready to receive? Do you think he was desperate? Do you think it was all? But if you can do anything, take pity on us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He had sight. He was he was he was making his way in the crowd because he knew something was different. He was following Jesus or he was around Jesus because he knew something was different. And he had sight because he couldn't fully see. He just admitted it. He says, I believe. I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So he had sight that he didn't have sight. That's the seed. 
that may not be fully mature. We have faith, hope, and love and action here. He had faith to be around there. He had hope because he brought his boy to the disciples and to Jesus. And God came through with the love and healed the boy. Greta Peters spoke a prophetic word over this house in 2012. It's in the booklet. Does anybody know what it is? Remember? No, Greg, you're not allowed to answer. She said, God wants to undo our un. God wants to undo our un. He wants to undo our un and unbelief. And he wants to transform it into belief. In my profession, one of the catch cries I've had is that chameleon, which I've talked to you about. Well, that was my school experience, but now my profession is the same. And one of the things I say in my profession is to be uncomfortable being comfortable. Sorry, being comfortable being uncomfortable. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a funeral director. God's got a sense of humour because... In my journeying to him and saying yes to the kingdom, um, end of high school really, um, I had a real fear of death. Mate was just staying the night and we're just talking and the cognitive of knowing we're going to die became the spiritual reality of I'm going to die. And that scared the bejesus out of me for several months to the point where I could cry out to my parents knowing, intuitively knowing that they would not be able to fix that or comfort me in that and then a month or two later a friend of mine who seems to recall some comment I made about getting used to that kind of industry comes to me and says oh how would you like to be in the funeral industry (laughs) so God meets you head on doesn't he we'll take care of that for you son and in my first few months I visited a lot of churches as you do and, and the seed that was sown through Janelle, through other things in my life, through attending what was Christian City Church and, and hearing a few sermons, um, you know, I was seeking and came to that point of, of surrender. But in the last nine years, that's what I said to Greg the other day, says that probably the reason I'm still here is because in my role as a funeral director, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable situations. And that's probably why I've hung around, because I've been uncomfortable for nine years. (laughs) What do we notice in that scene? It's only short. Anybody want to yell something out? That's good. What what, What did Neo do before that? He turned. Aren't we supposed to turn? Repent of our ways? He's beginning to believe. What happened next? Well, what's going to happen next? We didn't see it. There's going to be a fight, isn't there? You're beginning to believe, people. You're a child of God. You're maturing. You're beginning to believe. But there's a fight on your hands. But he was beginning to see and to recognize his identity. 
God defines that identity. If he doesn't define it, if you don't allow him to define it, don't bother. I'll get you to put up the Exodus scripture, Terry. I can't remember where I was going to start from. Right. Let's talk about Moses. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people up out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord your God, the God of the fathers of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and have seen what's been done to you in Egypt and have promised to bring you up out of your misery into the land of flowing with milk and honey. Elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. I'll go on a little bit further in a minute. But this is Moses, who's now being commissioned. And just prior to this is the burning of the bush. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him. Moses looked. Moses turned to the side. His heart was towards him. Here I am, said Moses. And now God commissions him. And Moses goes, who am I? In the previous chapter, Moses says, I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. Prior to that, he was a prince of Egypt. But he came to recognize that he was a Hebrew. He had the seed of God in him. But he ran away and lived in the wilderness. I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. Quite normal to ask then, isn't it? Who am I? He didn't know who he was. Interestingly, does the Lord answer him? He says who he is. He says, I am who I am. And I will be with you. Then, of course, we, we get the, oh, but what about this? And what about this? But the elders of Israel will listen to you. And then you are to go with the elders to the king of Egypt. Again, not by himself, was it? Did the elders of Israel know him? Couldn't have. But yet, they went together as a body to rescue God's people out of Egypt. 
Is he not asking the same of us in our lives? To band together and to rescue one another out of Egypt. And then through a process of sanctification, getting Egypt out of us. We'll go to, I don't know if you've got it up there, but that's all right. Um, we'll go to chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, says the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord has appeared to you. How often do we read Scripture and we just read Scripture? How often do we ask God to reveal stuff? How often do we put ourselves in the situation? Who am I? He asks. And then he says, what is that in your hand, Moses? He's the great I am. Surely he can tell it's a staff. (laughs) What is the staff to Moses? What does it represent? His identity. He's been a shepherd all this time. So if he went into the pub and he bought a staff, people would know exactly who and what he was about. Or they think they know. With a staff, what does it represent? Wow, it was his income. With it, he could control his world, move the sheep where he wanted to go. He was the shepherd. It was a supply, it was a security. He used it for support. He leant on it, climbing that mountain. What did God ask us to do with it? What did God ask him to do with that? Throw it to the ground. Throw it to the ground. Moses obeyed. He threw it to the ground. Because God is about to define Moses, redefine Moses. When he threw it to the ground, what happened? Changed into a snake, didn't it? For me, it's been transformed into something beyond Moses' ability to handle. And what did he do? He ran from it. Isn't that our way? Isn't that God's way? God changes what you give him into something way bigger than you. It's scary, it's uncontrollable, so that you need him to make it work. God then says, pick it up by the tail. He's gracious and kind. He doesn't expect us to fully meet the snake head. You might get hurt. Your redefined life head on might be too hard. It's a process. 
He says to take it slowly and safely. It turns back into a staff, and now it's changed, redefined by God for His purposes, and assigned to the people that He has been with God. The change in us is assigned to the people that we have been with God. No longer is the staff a shepherd's, to shepherd sheep, it's now to shepherd God's people. Moses threw his talents, gave his talents and gifts to the ground, and it got returned. God gave him security, God gave him identity, and now the gift is in the Lord's power. The authority and the purposes on the staff are now from God. God commands him to use it in the way God wants him to use it. And Moses uses it to do the signs and wonders of God. And as I shared that with a brother who I consider to have greater sight, the response was, a staff that is not thrown down and picked up differently is very dangerous reality to us and others. It has a tendency to serve oneself and when threatened, bites and releases deadly poison. God gives the calling and the gift without repentance and they're both irrevocable, so we must all go through this change process if our function is to truly be God-inspired, led and accomplished by Him. Which is interesting. Because what did Moses do a few chapters later with the staff? Struck the rock. Did God ask him to strike the rock? God told him to speak to the rock. But he used his function... He used the gift, he used the religiosity to try and make something happen. He wasn't in intimacy with the Father. What was the consequence? He didn't receive the full reward of the promised land, did he? And I thought, man, that's harsh God. You know, he's obeyed you here, he's obeyed you there, he's done this, he's done that. And now he's not on the promised land? That's pretty harsh. Who was at the transfiguration? There's a consequence on earth. And maybe the consequence is that he didn't make his promised land. He was already in the promised land. And maybe the consequence was actually for the people to see that this great revered man of God suffered a consequence under God's mighty hand. So, maybe the lesson wasn't for him, maybe it was for others. Neo came into his identity. He knew who he was, and the world around him, the fiery darts of the devil sent to kill him had no impact. Without Neo having put on his own armour, because the armour was within identity. Christ the hope of glory, Christ being formed in him. He now saw himself who he really was. Is this not the same with us in Christ and his spirit in us? If we are his brother and therefore a son of the most high, and if we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, then we can say no. No, I will not accept external circumstances as I see them, the problems, the attacks, the unrenewed mindset, the difficulties dictating my life, 
Because nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death, life, angels, demons, height, depth, present or future, nor power, nor anything in all creation. What happened to Neo before coming into this new identity? Unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Did Christ not die? Was he not the seed of life for us? Is he now not producing many seeds in us? Surrender. What resurrected Neo to new life? Love. Yes, romantic love. But even is that not the point? Bridegroom. Bride. So God defines the spiritual, redefines the power of choice. Steve McCracken wrote last month, the power of choice that we have today is incredible. We have the power to step back, stay where we are, or move forward. While this is true locationally, it is true positionally in our hearts. We always have the power of choice. There's probably enough said. Other things I'd like to share, but time will outrun us. But what I can truly say is that um, from my journey of being, I guess, a chameleon and and going with the flow, at a leader's, well, at a retreat not that long ago, I had three people come and pray for me. Paul was one of them, and he said, and these were things of the cry of my heart that none of them knew anything about. And he said, you know, Lord, help him to speak from a place of intimacy. And he said, not to the left, not to the right, this is the way. And, and spoke that in my ear. And that scripture had been on my heart for two or three weeks beforehand. And in the morning, I'd actually said to my own child, and the Spirit reminded me of it then and there, she was going to some ballet class which was going to be beyond her ability, which is going to test her, which, is going, which was scary. And I was saying, you can do it, you can do it. And that's what Paul's prayer was for me. Sam prayed for me and spoke about being ashamed or not being ashamed about being a son and all that it comes into. 25 years ago, I was ashamed. Fear of man. And then Amanda prayed for me, and it was phenomenal. Well, she had a little bit about the chameleon, and she, she said, I want to repurpose that. I think God wants to repurpose that today. And the repurposing was this, was that Christ's culture and character are always within me. So while you have the gift of blending into all people and all nations, that isn't compromised. And then we had the scripture of Paul. I became a Jew to the Jew. I became a Gentile to the Gentile. I became all things to all people so that I might save some. Not that we do the saving. So we have a choice. God puts it before us. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You're going to serve somebody. So choose this day whom you will serve. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in the land you are living, 
but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Father, I just pray in us all, Lord, that you would give us greater sight and that you would help us, Lord, to recognize the identity you have placed on us. That we might say who we are, that we might say who you say we are. That, Lord, we are a son or a daughter and are becoming a son. We are saved and we are being saved. We are on a journey and a process. And pray, Father God, your word, which tells us, lasts forever. Everything will pass away. So, Lord, anything of mine today that was dross, remove it and let your word stand forever, Lord. May we become the people who you designed us and created us to become. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. us to uh, go on bats now. Um, as you know, we're recording the services, so you can actually watch it with the clips, and I just encourage you to do that. You want to be part of our men's group, you need to learn how to write epistles. Um, we're, the, we're the epistles club. Um, we'd love to have you, though, in our group. Um, it's just awesome walking with Danny and others in that group. Uh, but I encourage you to get into a discipleship group and wrestle with God and the people for this reality that you're hearing about. Just another phenomenal, you know, the quality of God's word that's being declared here is phenomenal. The clarity and the crystallization of his living word is phenomenal. And I just want to say that, um, that we would know that. It really is powerful and to be received and eaten. Um, and it will change us. That's the purpose of the word, it changes us. So come out tonight, um, we're going to be eating Ephesians again. And um, we'll see you there. Otherwise, go and have a nice coffee or some food. Take someone home. And we'll, um, we'll see you soon.